Hello, how is everyone doing this week? We have a special guest for you this week, um, Trisha Nelson. And the reason we have Trisha on this week is because I was chatting with a friend recently, and she was talking about how she's eating, like just eating everything. And, and she said, I think it's comfort eating. And I think, I said, I think we're all comfort eating right now. And it was really, really timely because shortly thereafter, I heard about Trisha. And she is an emotional eating expert. And I thought, okay, I need to have her on here so she can tell us like what's going on. And she has this great speech that she does called Breaking Up with Ben and Jerry, which cracked me up. So I thought, all right, we have to get Trisha on here. So hang on and let's meet Trisha. You're listening to the Fittest Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host, Kelly Howard. I've been in the fitness and outdoor adventure space for almost two decades. Today, I'm known as the motivation and adventure coach. I help smart, successful women and a few guys navigate the space between mindset, motivation, and movement to move away from self-doubt and to learn to embrace their inner athlete. You already know what you want to do, and I bet you have a pretty good idea what you need to do. Together, we can fine-tune the details and create the steps you need to get moving forward. Think of me as your shortcut to a life of fitness, fun, and freedom. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to read y'all Trisha's bio because it is quite impressive. So Trisha Nelson lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. She has spent nearly 30 years researching hidden causes of the addictive personality. Trish is an emotional eating expert, and she's the author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She also certifies health coaches so they can get better results, and she's the host of the popular podcast show, The Heal Your Hunger Show. She's a highly regarded speaker. She's been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. Wow. Thank you so much for being here, Trisha. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have quite a, quite a pedigree. You've been doing a lot of stuff. You've been helping people out for quite a while. I am very grateful. Yes, that's the yes. truth. <laughs> yeah, it started with your own personal story. Yes, it did. Absolutely. Good for you. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about your personal story or would you like me to just ask you some questions about like what they can learn from you right this minute? Well, I think it's nice to uh, talk about my personal story in that I think people will really identify if they've struggled with food and weight for any length of time because that was definitely me. I was, um, well, as you had read, I was 50 pounds overweight by the time I was 21 years old. So I grew up with a weight problem and it was really frustrating to me because at a young age, I started trying to find solutions and diets and exercise programs and pills and potions and lotions, as I like to say, and self-help books and all kinds of programs. And the problem is I was always focused on the weight, you know, the, the, the fat on my body that I hated. And I, I tell you, Kelly, I hated it so much. I used to have fantasies of like slicing off my belly. I had this oh. roll of fat in my tummy that I just hated. And so I fantasized about slicing it off or, you know, getting some disease where I'd automatically lose weight or 
joining the army where they'd force me to exercise at boot camp. <laughs> so these kind of drastic harebrained ideas about how to lose weight because my eating was just always so out of control. And anytime I would lose weight, I would end up putting it back on and then some. So it's definitely what they call a yo-yo dieter. You know, I'd lose 30 and then gain 40 and lose 10 and gain 10. And, you know, I had about five different sizes of pants in my closet because of it. Cause I oh never God. knew, I never knew what size I was going to be. And I was always hopeful, you know, that I'd get back to those skinny jeans that I once was. So that was really how it was for me. It was really a way of life. And, you know, the food obsession and weight obsession and feeling, uh, unfortunately, I felt less than a lot of my friends because I was overweight. And um, and people treat you differently also, you know, out there uh, of if you carry around extra weight. So yeah. I was really at my wit's end because so many things that I tried had failed. And what really changed everything for me is learning how to really address address the underlying causes of emotional eating. You know, that was the gap. I knew what to eat. I mean, I wasn't a dummy. I knew that ice cream makes you fat and <laughs> salads, you know, help you lose weight, but I wanted the ice cream. So that was the problem is how do you follow through on the nutritional advice that you know you know, how do you, how do you do better instead of just know better? And so that was really what changed everything for me. And I was able to lose the 50 pounds and it's been decades now that I've had, you know, I've been able to keep it off by the grace of God. So that was my story. And, and because I had the solution, it was very, um, you know, I had a mentor who showed me how to do this. And what I did is I, I really laid it out in a step-by-step -step plan. Um, I mean, his guidance was amazing, but there wasn't really a plan specifically. And over the years of um, helping others, I actually assisted him um, to kind of apprentice with him in helping others. And um, when I started Heal Your Hunger, I really laid it out in a step-by-step -step system to overcome emotional eating that's foolproof, like it really works. Um, and so that's what I've been showing women how to do for, for several years now. And it's been amazing. Wow. Wow. I guess there was a, there was a lot of emotion behind your weight I can tell just like oh, yeah all that upset right I mean it's, yeah it's tough I mean it's very very tough it makes it it's hard to it's hard to hear and it's it's I understand like yeah. I understand the pain that's there so tell me this like we know we're smart right we're smart we know what we're supposed to do but then we, we have what we call comfort foods, right? So mm -hmm. why are comfort foods comfort foods? Why do they comfort us? Yeah, absolutely. The carbs, the sugar, the fatty, rich foods, they are so comforting and especially carbs. And, and for a lot of reasons, um, you know, on a physiological level, they definitely give us a serotonin hit. So they give us a sense of ease and calm. Um, but beyond that, uh, my experience is what they really do is they deaden our emotions, you know, so when we're wanting comfort, we don't think of a salad, you know, or, or you know, celery sticks, because we are looking to kind of get sedated by our food, you know, and kind of get a warmth, uh, a feeling of warmth. And that's not just physical. It's also emotional because when we are feeling upset or angry or hurt or sad or depressed or whatever, anxious, um, you know, what we're looking to do is escape those emotions. And what I really, um, I think is helpful for people is 
what I call the PEP test. So the PEP test is a way of identifying what I, I've what I've in my research um, come to know as the three primary driving emotions of emotional eating and comfort eating. And I call it PEP because PEP is an acronym for the different ways that the food serves us. Because we know what it does to us when we overeat, we get overweight, we, you know, get muffin top and we get zits and we don't want to go out. But what, you know, uh, what are, what's the emotion we're actually being served, you know, to cover up? And so the food serves as a painkiller. That's the P in PEP. And um, that's because we have emotional pain. Okay, and that can be pain from a job that doesn't fit us anymore, a relationship that doesn't fit us anymore, or is going through a stressful patch, you know, a sick parent, you know, whatever. There's so many different uh, sources of pain, a sick child, whatever, you know, and we do use food to cover up that pain. So when we say comfort, comfort's sort of an umbrella term for maybe some painful emotions, you know, a hard day at work or a disappointing news. Um, so pain is the first uh, emotion that we're always treating with food um, or one of them. The second one uh, comes from food being a source of escape. Okay, so so much of the time when, you know, especially now with COVID, I mean, we just, you know, our reality has become very altered and very scary. You know, the fact that you can go out and get sick, you know, or if you don't wear your mask or you're around, you know, somebody you don't realize they're sick. I mean, that has really altered our sense of safety our sense of security in our life. And so, so much of the time, we just want to escape the reality that we're in, this very harsh reality of a pandemic. But not only that, you know, again, um, you know, a hard day at work or, or a hard, you know, things that we're going through that aren't, aren't very comfortable. So the escape uh, from fear, from worry, from stress, those are things we want to escape from. And food is amazing, you know, as a form of escape, right? We get our brownies and our cookies and our ice cream. We sit in front of the television, maybe your chips and dip, whatever it is, you know, that comforts you. And it just sort of makes all that go away, all that stress and tension go away momentarily. And it always seems to go along with TV as well. <laughs> um, and the, the, the last P in PEP stands for uh, punishment. And this is something people don't think about is food as a form of punishment because we think, no, it's a reward. Like I'm just, you know, getting my favorite foods and rewarding myself at the end of a long day. But if you consider for somebody who is a stress eater, somebody who has been overeating for a good period of time, you know, it turns into binges and those binges, you know, when we eat the chips then the ice cream, then the cookies then the bowl of cereal, you know, those binges are very, they become very dark and painful, you know, and shameful. We have a lot of shame around it. We sometimes hide our food. We don't tell anybody else what we've done. We eat in secret or alone, you know, and so what's happening there, you know, is not a reward. Like you have to ask, well, what's going on there? And why are you doing that to yourself, you know, uh, when you know better? And so what's really underlying that is guilt. Okay, so that's really the third emotion, Kelly, is guilt, and it's a big driver of emotional eating. And we, you do, we do use food um, to punish ourselves, even though it doesn't seem like it initially. So pain, fear, and guilt um, are the main driving emotions of emotional eating, even if somebody's not aware of it. People will say to me, oh, Trisha, I don't emotionally eat. You know, I just like food. But that, and if, and they're, if they have a weight product problem that's chronic, that's usually because the food is doing its job of killing the pain, you know, helping us escape. 
and really punishing ourselves because of the guilt. But it's when it's doing its job of just kind of covering up those emotions, we don't realize we have those in the first place. Hmm. Okay. That's, it's kind of deep. It's kind of deep. That, that was going to be my words. I was going to say that's really deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but that's what. But that's why you know you know ninety eight percent of all diets fail because people just keep looking for the easy answer of a diet. There's they're just following the diet or just trying to work out at the gym. But the thing is, if they don't go deeper, if they're in a dress, like why, like why do we go to the refrigerator five times of an evening and look inside? Like it's nothing's changed. You know, the food is still the same food that's sitting there, but there's something that drives us to get up and just we're, we're hungry for something. And it's never really food. It's always deeper. And that's why we have to have that conversation of what's really going on, you know, because otherwise we're going to be on that merry-go-round or hamster wheel, if you will, of dieting, losing the weight, and then putting it back on. And people who have done that forever are tired of it. They're tired of it. You know, they're demoralized by it. You know, people just, you know, their their spouses don't believe them anymore when they say they're going to lose weight because they never do. They always put it back on. And so I think going, going deeper, you know, instead of looking for the next diet, looking for really the emotional underpinnings, um, it makes all the difference in the world. I can see that. And I can also see that even if someone is not, um, like maybe, maybe emotional eating hasn't been their ballywick for, you know, it hasn't been their, let me say, Achilles heel for their entire life. Maybe they've always been kind of okay, you know, maintaining. But I noticed, well, I noticed in our household, <laughs> I'm not going to tell on my partner, but like when this whole lockdown thing started, finally after about two weeks, I said, do you know that nothing has changed in that refrigerator? right? You get this because he would just go and he'd open the refrigerator and just look. And then, you know, he might get something out. He might not. He'd close it. And I mean, this was like, I was reminded of when I was a kid and, you know, I'd hear this like, don't stand there with the refrigerator door open, right? (laughs) Same thing happening. And it wasn't just in my household. Like I had lots of friends say, especially women I know who work at home and then they have a a spouse or a significant other who is doing the same thing because there's just this, it's a stress, right? It's just this stress. Yep. Stress. And, um, you know, of all kinds, emotional stress, you know, it, uh, you know, financial stress, relational stress, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're looking for that comfort in the refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. Also, you know, especially nowadays, loneliness as well. Even if somebody oh, has, yeah. has a partner, you know, sometimes people, obviously they grow distant from each other. So there can be that big gaping, I call it a hole in your soul. You know, it's like, we want to fill it. And that's why the binging, you know, leaves us so demoralized because not only have we just added, you know, 3000 calories to our body, but we've also not fixed what we were really hungry for. Like we have not healed that hunger, which oftentimes is loneliness or a feeling of isolation, especially nowadays. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. I mean, I think I'm lucky because my, my binge of choice is usually cardio and which is, probably a better option, but it's not yeah. a great, it's not a great option. <laughs> it's not a great option. If it's, if you, if you're doing it just to, you know, kind of knock, well, knock the crazies off is what I say, but it really is. I mean, what you're talking about, it's, it's looking for comfort somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
it can work for, I guess this can work for a lot of things. So, okay. So how do people differentiate between physical and emotional hunger? Yeah, gosh, they feel so similar. And I've been doing this work for over 30 years. And I still get tripped up sometimes when I have this growl in my stomach. And I'm positive I'm hungry. You know, but what's what helps me um, is something I call three meal magic, which is eating three meals with nothing in between. And this has helped me for years. It's really, you know, it, it's, it really stabilizes me. My body loves me for it because I give it time to digest in between meals, um, you know. And so uh, what, what this has helped me do also, though, is really get in touch with my emotions. So let's say I've eaten a healthy breakfast at 7, and at 10, I'm just like, I'm starving, and I'm having this conversation with my, myself. I'm like, I'm positive I have to go eat a snack, you know, which I typically don't do. And so it, it begs the question, you know, if I know I've had a good, you know, good healthy breath, breakfast, good vegetables and, and protein or, you know, some kind of, you know, omelet, whatever. And, and at 10 o'clock, I feel like I'm going to die if I don't eat. There might be an emotional issue going on because I can probably go a couple hours until lunch. You know, and so that that kind of just way of measuring, like, gee, I have a little conversation with myself. Gee, Trisha, you had you had breakfast at seven. You're probably not as starving as you say you are. What's going on? Like, what what's stressing you out? And if I do a little detective work, you know, there's a phone call I need to make that I'm really not looking forward to making. There's something I have to deal with. There's some taxes I need to do. You know, there's always something really uncomfortable that I just don't want to deal with. Um, but if I, if I tune into that, then I realize it's emotional hunger, not physical hunger. So they can absolutely feel like the same thing or mimic, you know, emotional hunger can definitely mimic physical hunger. And that's why we have to do the detective work. And I also, you know, do self-care each day so that it lowers my stress level. So I don't get those emotional hunger pangs as much. Okay. Okay. So, so it's looking for... Like, what are the stressors that are happening? Yeah. What are the stressors? Well, I mean, well, it's, 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 so much. Yeah, well, having a, a, a very clear boundary around your, your eating is the first step because if you're a snacker and you're snacking all day long, you don't know what you're feeling, you know, and you can't, you have no way of really identifying if you had enough or not enough, you know, if it's just sort of willy-nilly eating. And that's why having real meals and make them counts, you know, make the meals, sit down, put it on a plate, enjoy it, you know, give yourself meal time. Don't eat at your desk. Don't eat during work time. You know, I mean, just, you know, take a break, eat your meal, enjoy it, make it count, then go back to working. If you have those boundaries around your meals and you're not just, you know, just kind of in a free for all snacking all day, um, it's going to be clearer what those emotions are and that, that they're emotions and not physical hunger. Mm, okay. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that because I do, <laughs> I actually, I think I'm snacking more. Like I, I do think I'm snacking. More. Well, you're in a really good company <laughs> with a whole <laughs> lot of people in this country. Yeah. And, and, but I don't really pay much attention to it because unlike you, I don't have set meals. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm one of those people who's kind of like, I don't know. 
Well, that's because cardio yeah. is your binge. <laughs> right? So it's my binge, right? You're, you're a bit of an oddity, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if that's my binge, then, you know, I just kind of like, um, I just float with my food sometimes. And, yeah. and I do feel better when I'm very serious about like, you know, how I eat. For sure. In intentional. Yeah, in intentional. That's a better word. That's a much better word because I'm never <laughs> very serious about food. <laughs> okay. So another question. I saw somewhere that you had a note about the number one weight loss mistake that you should never make. So what is that? Well, kind of that's a good segue from what we just talked about. And it's to skip meals. Oh. You know, yeah, people skip me. People who struggle with food and weight. There's a funny thing. There, our minds are very tricky, okay? We've been at this diet thing for a long time, and, um, and, and we have this idea that if we skip meals or a meal, we're going to hack the system. Like somehow, you know, we're, some, we're just not going to be, um, you know, gaining, we're not going to, we're going to lose weight if we, if we skip meals. So we, people skip breakfast, and now it's kind of, now it's kind of the end thing where, uh, you know, intermittent fasting right, is a like thing, barely keto. Yeah. Yeah. And you skip all kinds of meals, you know, but, uh, or eat in a very short window, you know, nowadays the intermittent fasting, the keto, these things are, are making it very vogue to skip meals, you know, or to eat in a small window of time. And for your, the average person, you know, it might work. And even for emotional eaters, sometimes like, Oh good. I'm so glad I don't have to be thinking about food you know, all day, just in a small window. But what does happen all too often is people go overboard when they do start to, when they open the door to eating, you know, once again, after that 14, 15 hour chunk of time, they, they overeat or they, they use it as license to eat all kinds of crap. You I've know, seen that happen. <laughs> yeah. And so what have you accomplished? You know, your body's not any healthier if you're eating junk food, you know, because you can, because you fasted. So you know, my experience is at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're healthier by just eating the three meals and not trying to skip a meal because your body's going to get pissed off and require that food at some point. Like it's not going to stand for it, especially if you're exercising, you know, you're going right. to need those calories. And so it's just a problem when we end up going overboard, you know, and eating more than our bodies really need because we've starved ourselves. So just don't do it. Don't skip meals. Don't don't think you're going to hack this system. You know, if you, if you have, if you're really into intermittent fasting, you know, fine. But you know, my experiences and I tell my clients because they are emotional eaters and they need that, those three meals just so their body feels more balanced and they know, you know, their body and their emotional eating self or brain knows they're going to get fed. There's none of that you know, alarm system going off of, you know, oh my God, I'm going to starve, you know, which if you're an emotional eater, a lot of people have that. I certainly did. So it's just, it really bounces you out to have those meals. Um, but if you have to have the time between, at least just, you know, do have dinner and do it between dinner and breakfast, but still have breakfast. Just make sure you have the meals because the skipping thing can get away from you. It can be really a runaway train. I can see that. I mean, the people I know who have done well on intermittent fasting are the people who are actually who are high level athletes. Like those are the yes. people I know who have done well with it. The people yep. I know that have done poorly with it are people who aren't high level athletes. And I think the difference is, is that simply that those, those people that I know who are, you know, triathletes or Olympian people or whatever, they know their body so well yes. that they can do it. Right. right. But for 
the normal people, the usual people, the rest of us, when they get into that intermittent fasting, I think it's exactly what you just said. It's that fear of starvation. Yeah. And there's also that, um, that, that trick in your mind saying, well, I didn't eat, so now I can go wild, right? Totally. Like I can eat anything I want to yeah. in a six-hour window. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I have always found like, even though I'm, I may not be the best at, at consistent eating, I do believe that having um, less less um, tricks, I don't, I don't know, less tricks around yeah, food, hacks. <laughs> right? yeah. less hacks, like, you know, forget all that stuff, just like, you know, do what you're saying, eat fairly consistently and well, right? Um, okay, totally. so a couple of other questions. Um, one of them is that we've talked a lot about stress, but we haven't really talked about managing the stress. And mm -hmm. I think the stress is what's going to basically, as you say, drive you to the kitchen. So what are some of your tricks and tips? Let's not call it tricks. Let's call what are your, some of your <laughs> smart, smart strategies. Steps, your strategies <laughs> yeah. that you can manage, that you keep managing stress with. Well, I call them the six self-care success secrets. And these are super powerful. I do them every day or at least four or five of them every day. And they are meditation, prayer, reading spiritual literature, writing, like in a journal or on your computer, um, talking, and walking. Okay, so these are things that can really significantly reduce stress. And I have a routine first thing in the morning of meditation and prayer and walking at least. And then also reading as well. I have some spiritual literature, little daily readers that I like to read each day, a little passage from the Bible, you know, and, and these things just help me get grounded and centered. And I, I call it putting, um, basically making a spiritual deposit in your bank, your spiritual bank account. And the reason for this is because life is stressful. Life is stressful. We have many demands on our time, many demands on, you know, our t attention, our finances, you know, and by the end of the day, you know, which is usually the worst time, the trouble time for people who tend to be emotional eaters. You know, uh, my experience from polls is that about 75% of people who are emotional eaters will do most of their damage, if you will, between, you know, five o'clock and 10 or 12 at night. Um, and it's part of that's because we've just accumulated so much stress during the day. So I put money in my spiritual bank account first thing in the morning with these self-care habits. And it does take a little bit of time. You know, I set aside an hour, um, but I'll tell you it's, it's an hour very well spent because it gets yeah. me grounded. It gets me connected with my divine self and my source. You know, I don't have willpower to stop, you know, to, to not eat those ooey gooey chewy foods. And when I tap into a higher power, I get fueled. I get, you know, the resources I need throughout the day. And so it is very, you know, very much time well spent. And people tell me I'm, I'm a calm person. I'm a peaceful person to be around. And I think it's because I've invested in that meditation practice and that prayer time. 
Um, you know, I mean, I still get stressed out, of course, but I have the tools when I'm super jammed or super, you know, upset about something I write, you know, I give, pull up a word document on my computer and I just bang out, I'm bang on the keys, you know, my angry, frustrated feelings, and they don't have to stuff them with food. You know, so much of the time people's solution is to stuff their feelings and I don't want to stuff them, you know, cause that's very unhealthy you know, and, you know, I end up gaining weight if I do that. So I have healthier ways of dealing with it, talking, picking up the phone, talking to a friend or somebody who understands that, you know, just kind of knows your history um, can be so, so helpful. So these kinds of self-care tools are powerful and essential for somebody who tends to use food as their number one source of stress relief. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. And, and I guess the other thing is, is that when you start your day that way, you're starting your day on a different energetic note than if you start your day looking at social media or looking at email. Amen. Because, right? So those things just immediately send, you know, trigger you. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so, it's so much better. And then when you do go to Facebook, you don't get all tripped up or hooked by like, oh, their life's better than mine. Or, oh, you know, why did she get a job and I didn't get a job? Or why does, you know, oh, she looks so much better than I. I mean, it's so crazy, all the crazy, you know, places we can go, you know, and get triggered by through internet um, and social media. And I'm telling you, if you start your day focused on the right stuff, you know, your heart and your, you know, your connection and, uh, and, and goals, goals and intentions. You know, if you mm -hmm. focus on that first, then you, you're a lot less likely to get thwarted by all the craziness in the world. That's true. That is so true. In fact, anyone listening right now is like, oh my gosh, they got together and pre-planned this one because <laughs> I am always talking about you just got to start start a little different. Like, don't start with all that stuff that isn't going to help us. So, okay, there's a couple of things. Um, and I realize that I'm, I don't want to take up all your time today, but you actually have a very, very special gift that you offered to the listeners. And I want to say thank you so much. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, uh, actually, two gifts. So um, if anybody's not sure if they're an emotional eater, um, I actually have a quiz on my website they can take. It's a free quiz and you'll get a personalized score and you'll find out whether you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. So you can take that free quiz on my website. And what you can also do on my website is sign up for a personal consultation with me that is completely complimentary. Um, you know, this is a brief phone call that we're going to have together um, where I'm, I'm going to identify what your trouble spots are, you know, and if you're wondering kind of what's going on with you, why you've gained that weight, why you can't lose that weight, you know, or what's going on with, you know, why you're compelled to eat so much. Um, I'm going to be asking you a, a list of questions, you know, on this call together. Um, that's really going to ha help you have a breakthrough. Okay. So if you want to have a breakthrough session with me um, around your emotional eating, definitely you know, go to healyourhunger.com. That's my website, heal, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And you can take the free quiz and also um, go ahead and register for a complimentary call with me. Awesome. And we will also link to both of those things, the comp call and your quiz and your website and everything in the show notes. So if you can't, like if you don't have a chance to write down this, or if you're driving, don't write this down, um, just stop by the website and it will definitely be in the show notes. All right, Tricia, is there something that we didn't cover that you would like to leave the listeners with today? Um, I would just say that, um, you know, 
this problem, if you are an emotional eater, if you do feel like you struggle with food and weight, it doesn't get up and go away on its own. And there's no shame in getting help with it. You know, I think so much of the time we think, gosh, you know, it's so silly. It's just a donut or it's just, you know, chocolate. Why can't I handle this on my own? You know, whereas if we're training for a marathon or we want to get better at tennis, we think nothing of hiring a coach. You always hire a coach. I I hire coaches for everything, right? Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. And if you've been struggling for any amount of time with your weight, you know, clearly you don't have all the answers, you know, and and it might be time to get some assistance. There is no shame in it. You're not supposed to know, you know, the deep underlying causes of emotional eating. That's my job. That's what I've been doing for 30 years. So, you know, don't really don't diss yourself if you can't do this on your own or you haven't been able to up until now. It's a very, it's a very intricate problem, you know, and it has a lot going, there's a lot going on underneath, you know, and I can make it super easy for somebody to really understand what's going on and then to turn it around. Like it doesn't take long to turn this ship around, but going it alone is so hard and no, yes, you know, Serena Williams wouldn't think of going back into, you know, onto the court without her coaches and and why should you? Right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for listening today. I truly appreciate you being here. If you're ready to make a change in your fitness, to transform, or even to deep dive into what you need to be doing to get ready for your next dream adventure, I'd love to talk. I have space on my calendar for a few one-on-one clients, and I have a very special offer only for my podcast listeners. Go to fitisfreedom.com forward slash ready for details. If you're ready to take action on your dreams, I would truly love to work with you. Once again, that URL is fitisfreedom.com forward slash ready. I can't wait to connect and I'll see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and bye for now. See you.